I'm Donald McCauley, clinician and academic and associate editor with CMAJ. And today we're speaking with Dr. Sasha Bacha, cardiologist at Women's College Hospital and UHN in Toronto and director of the Women's College Hospital Institute for Health System Solutions and Virtual Care. In a recent research article published in CMAJ, Dr. Vasha and colleagues looked at the frequency and variations of testing before low-risk surgical procedures. Sasha, welcome. Thanks a lot for having me. I mean, I find this an absolutely fascinating research question. Perhaps you'd tell me, why did you think this was something we really ought to ask? Well, I uh, work as the evaluation lead for Choosing Wisely Canada with Wendy Levinson. And one of the things that we had been asked by a number of clinicians as we had started developing these lists of top five procedures that, you know, we should question is, well, how do you know that they're even frequent? And one of the items that kept coming up on multiple lists was preoperative testing. And so in our conversations with multiple doctors, including surgeons and anesthesiologists, cardiologists and family doctors, they all kind of asked the same question is, you know, preoperative testing seems like something that has come up over and over again. It seems anecdotally like it happens a lot, but that was something that we just didn't know. How do you think this preoperative testing evolved to become so common? I think some of it might concern by the the surgeons and anesthesiologists. They want to make sure that there isn't going to be a complication perioperatively. And obviously, you know, with myocardial infarction being one of the most serious complications of any surgical intervention, I think it's something that nobody wants to see happen. But I think there has been an evolving literature to show that particularly in those types of surgeries that we're talking about, which are a very low risk group of procedures, the majority of which don't require general anesthetic, that probably the vast majority of these procedures are not necessary. And then I think sometimes these things evolve by habit over time, and they just become part of the culture that happens at specific institutions. Perhaps you take us a little bit through the methods of the study. The first thing that we really wanted to do was pick a basket of surgical procedures that were very low risk. So we worked with our anesthesia colleagues looking at the existing literature to decide, okay, which procedures would really be classified as low risk? And we grouped those into three big categories. One being endoscopic procedures, which you could hardly call surgeries. These are colonoscopies or, you know, gastroscopies. Um, Ophthalmologic surgeries, the majority of which being cataract surgeries and other what we call low-risk surgical procedures. And a lot of these are things like arthroscopy, inguinal hernia repairs, cystoscopy, procedures, again, that oftentimes are done under no general anesthetic with a morbidity and mortality from a cardiac perspective of generally less than 1%. Then what we did is we used linked administrative databases through the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences in Ontario and were able to identify adult patients in Ontario who had an elective admission to hospital to undergo a low-risk surgical procedure between fiscal year 2008, 2009, and then 2012 and 2013. One of the key things that we wanted to do is make sure it really was a low-risk cohort. And so we excluded any procedures that were done during an existing inpatient admission stay because, for example, if somebody had a lower GI bleed and was quite sick, and then they had a colonoscopy as part of an inpatient admission. Those were not really the patients we wanted to capture. 
We also excluded procedures that were performed secondary to an, another high-risk procedure. So, for example, oftentimes an upper endoscopy may be done adjunct to uh, colectomy for cancer, in which case, again, we wanted to exclude those. And then we also really wanted to focus on institutions that did a lot of these procedures. So we excluded institutions that had fewer than 500 procedures per year. So again, these are generally reasonably large volume sites. And we also looked at a number of patient demographics, including previous history of cardiac disease, as well as a number of other clinical demographic information. And subsequently, then what we did is we looked 60 days prior to the surgery or the procedure to see if using billing data, either an ECG, a chest X-ray, a stress test or a cardiac stress test or an echocardiogram was performed. And really, we counted and looked to see of the patients that we had, percentage of them had a procedure, any one of those cardiac tests prior to their procedure. You have really big numbers here in each cohort and indeed the number of procedures. One of the issues that people always ask is the accuracy and the validity of the databases. Have you any thoughts on the accuracy of these databases? So one of the biggest challenge in looking at or assessing whether or not something is truly appropriate as in terms of a procedure is the lack of clinical granularity with administrative data sets. It's often difficult to know exactly why a specific procedure was ordered. So what we can't say in this study is we know the reason that that ECG was performed or the reason that the stress test was performed because we don't have the clinical granularity. However, what we do have is a, a fairly clean cohort of again, 96% of the surgeries were ambulatory, meaning that they left the same day of the procedure. They didn't stay overnight. So a very low risk cohort. And we also using linked administrative data sets, risk adjusted to assess using patient comorbidities, whether or not if you adjusted for all these clinical comorbidities, what would be the variation amongst institutions in terms of test ordering. And what we found, interestingly, when we looked at all of these linked data sets and we controlled for a number of comorbidities, is in fact, whether you were seen at one institution versus another was far more statistically significant in terms of your likelihood to get a preoperative cardiac test than your previous comorbidities. You've gone on to a really interesting aspect of the results, but just tell me a little bit, global overview of what you find before we go into the detail. So we have about 1.5 million patients who underwent 2.2 million distinct procedures at over 137 institutions across the province of Ontario, of which 40% had an endoscopy, 34% had ophthalmologic surgery, including cataracts, and 26% had this other category of low-risk surgery. The mean age of the patients were 62 years old, and actually the burden of cardiac comorbidities was fairly low, with only 6% having a prior history of heart failure and 3% having a prior history of coronary disease. As I mentioned, 96% were ambulatory patients, and about 7% had a preoperative anesthesia consult, and 5% had a preoperative medical consult. What we found in the main results is about 31% of patients had an ECG prior to their procedure. This was highest in the low-risk surgery category, where 55% 
had an ECG prior to their surgery, 32% had an ECG prior to cataract surgery, and 15% had an ECG prior to endoscopy. 11% of patients had a chest x-ray, 3% had an echocardiogram, and 2.1% had a stress test. This is across the province. In terms of uh, what I thought was the most interesting was in the institutions across the 137 institutions, we saw a variation of 26-fold between the lowest ordering institution and the highest ordering institution. When we looked at institutions, the 137 institutions in, in the province, we found that the lowest ordering institution of ECGs prior to a low-risk procedure was 3.4%. The highest ordering institution was 89% which is a, a very significant variation between ECG ordering prior to low-risk surgery. Chest x-rays, it was between 1.6% at the lowest ordering institution and 51% at the highest ordering institution. And when we controlled for clinical covariates, including preoperative medical conditions, prior history of cardiac disease, COPD, etc., what we found was the adjusted odds ratio of a patient receiving a preoperative ECG at one institution was 2.3 times different than if it was performed at another institution, meaning the random variation between ordering of two institutions was over twofold. For a chest x-ray, that was 1.6 times. So again, your likelihood of having a chest x-ray ordered at one institution versus another institution was potentially 1.6 times, which was higher than if you had a prior cardiac comorbidity. So where you went to an institution was very significantly predicted with whether or not you'd get a test, more so than your prior medical comorbidities. What do you think this means for our readers? How would you interpret the, these findings? So I think what we can say is that there is a significant amount of preoperative testing done prior to a very low risk set of surgeries. It appears that the ordering patterns are somewhat independent of the patient's medical conditions and are more strongly associated with the institution that that patient goes to for their procedure. Why that's the case, we're not completely sure. And the truth is we don't know what the optimal rate of ordering is. We're not sure that it's zero because we don't have the clinical information of exactly why that test was ordered. But what we can say is that the significant amount of variation suggests that there's probably some room for improvement in the province in terms of ordering patterns. As we look at the data, the difficulty is we don't have the sort of outcomes data. We don't have the sensitivity and specificity of these tests in picking up abnormalities and whether or not in any individual patient there's a problem. It's interesting to look at where these tests originate. Who orders the tests? Where do the tests come from? It's a great question. And we use billing data. So, in fact, it could be through the inpatient department, but it could also be done at a private office or at a private clinic outside. I do suspect that the practice patterns are different depending on the institution that one goes to. One of the interesting things that we did see when we adjusted for clinical covariates was in fact 
a predictor of an ECG and a chest X-ray prior to surgery was whether or not somebody had an anesthesia or a medical consultation prior to that. And so I also suspect that, you know, some preoperative medical clinics probably do increase the rate of testing. Whether that's appropriate or not, I can't say. I was looking at this data, thinking back to my time as a junior doctor, where you felt you had to order this battery of tests for every patient undergoing a procedure. And in actual fact, if you'd forgotten to do an ECG or a chest X-ray, then, you know, perhaps that patient may not have even been booked for surgery. So the next stage would be to say, if you have patients who are a risk of surgery, then you would get an anesthesia or a medical consult. But do you think that's appropriate for patients? And how should we interpret the data in the light of asking for a second opinion? You know, I suspect in this case, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was about outcomes. But the truth is, is that this is a very low risk cohort, whereby the vast majority of them went home the same day. So the event rate of, you know, myocardial infarction and other perioperative complications would be extremely low in this cohort, to the point where you probably would not see a difference, even with the large numbers. I suspect that there are some patients who, due to preoperative comorbidities, would likely be referred to a preoperative clinic, but I also suspect that part of the ordering patterns uh, and part of the practice patterns at in certain institutions would be to have every patient have a routine anesthesia or medical consult, um, you know, partly to ensure that the cases don't get canceled partly for comfort of the surgeons, partly for the cultural factors around an institution. We can't really tease out who got seen and who didn't, but what we can say is even when you can correct for all of the comorbidities that we saw, that having a preoperative either medical or anesthesia consult, irrespective of the, of the comorbidities, is significantly associated with higher rates of testing. What happens if something goes wrong? What happens if we decide that this is a low-risk patient and we don't do an ECG or a chest X-ray and something goes wrong? Would clinicians feel vulnerable at this stage? It's a question that we grapple with, you know, with respect to even the development of the choosing wisely lists. But I think the data on preoperative low-risk testing is actually uh, quite good. The 2014 ACC or American College of Cardiology, American Heart Association guidelines are fairly clear that they're not indicated in asymptomatic patients undergoing low-risk surgery. The 2013 anesthesia guidelines also recommend against routine testing. Now, if somebody has symptoms or a clinician is concerned, then I think it is completely reasonable to get all of these tests. In fact, I'm a cardiologist. I order echoes or stress tests or ECGs in preoperative patients when I'm concerned. I think what we're showing, however, is that there is probably practice patterns that go beyond simply clinical judgment. I think in institutions where 90% of the patients undergoing ambulatory procedures are receiving routine testing suggests that there is something that's simply beyond the clinical judgment of a clinician about symptomatic patients. I think it's probably more a practice pattern than anything else. I think we are going to see complications that will happen, but I again, it's not clear whether or not preoperative testing 
is necessary, and I don't, as far as I know, there isn't data to suggest that preoperative testing would have actually picked up patients for which a significant complication was going to happen. So I think that the bottom line is, is, you know, we have to use our clinical judgment, but I think our data suggests that there is something else extrinsic to that that's going on in some of our institutions in the province. Yes, I think that the huge variation between institutions is something that's really important to identify. And I, I guess some of the institutions will wonder, are we at the right level of uh, preoperative investigation? Now, your data comes, this five-year data comes before the choosing wisely indications, which were in 2014. Tell me a little bit about those uh, guidelines and what choosing wisely would say in terms of preoperative investigation. Choosing Wisely is a campaign really about stimulating conversation between patients and, and providers. And it's really about a top five list of tests and procedures that patients and physicians should question. So Choosing Wisely, it says don't. It's not going to say don't do in every circumstance, but it is going to say, you know, in asymptomatic patients, that are undergoing low-risk procedures, that routinely this should not be done. Now, as I mentioned previously, if somebody is having symptoms or you listen to somebody's chest and you hear uh, you know, a significant murmur that might sound like aortic stenosis, then would an echocardiogram and an ECG potentially be warranted? Yes. But what Choosing Wisely would say is in the routine case, where your history is unremarkable, a physical exam is unremarkable, and where the patient is about to undergo cataract operation or a colonoscopy, an ECG and a chest x-ray are, are probably not necessary. Sasha, look, this raises lots of very interesting points that we've had the opportunity to discuss. Let me go back and ask you just to sum up very briefly, what are the main messages of this paper? I would say there's a couple main messages. The first is that preoperative testing prior to low-risk surgery uh, in Ontario is more frequent than I think we anticipated, particularly ECGs and chest x-rays. Stress testing and echocardiograms are not as frequent. I think perhaps what's more interesting is that there is a significant inter-institutional variation of ordering prior to low-risk surgery. And this inter-institutional variation is not explained by prior cardiac or medical comorbidities. While we don't know what the right rate is, we might suggest that particularly institutions with very high rates of ordering should be able to examine their practice patterns to ensure that they truly are choosing wisely with respect to preoperative test ordering. Sasha, thank you very much. We've been speaking with Dr. Sasha Bacha, cardiologist and director of the Women's College Hospital Institute for Health System Solutions and Virtual Care in Toronto. To read the research article he co-authored, visit cmaj.ca.